Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call 030. Never let the fire go out. Wake up call 030, never let the fire go out. Hey, I'm so thankful that you're listening to the Faith for My Generation podcast and or watching this wake up call edition. Of course, every Monday you've got a wake up call and every Thursday a longer teaching episode. And make sure you're checking out the episodes coming up this Thursday, which will be part three of a mini series, Who is this Jesus. I'm really excited about that. I've had a really good time studying those out and teaching those on the podcast channel. And uh, if as you're watching the wake up call today, I would love for you to share it. If you're watching on Facebook, on Instagram, tag me in the story. However, you can share to the socials. If you want to, uh, you know, write it out in longhand, uh, tie it to a carrier pigeon and send it to a friend across the state via carrier pigeon. Hey, do that. However you can get the word out, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> because most importantly, I want to get the Word of God out. That's the whole purpose of the Faith for My Generation podcast channel and all the resources that we're building out here in the Faith for My Generation podcast is to give you a lot of material for you to grow strong in the things of God. I want you to become very, very strong in the things of God, in the Word of God. Have a strong prayer life. I want you to be strong in the Lord. And I believe this would be a mighty, mighty blessing to you. Hey, I want to go to Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. Read a couple verses. And as I mentioned, the wake-up call is entitled, Never Let the Fire Go Out. Verse 8 of Leviticus 6. I've been reading through the book of Leviticus in my daily reading. And I've gotten to this part so many times. I see this, this teaching right here from 8 to 13 in this particular chapter. And I wanted to share it as this wake-up call. It's Leviticus 6, verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen trousers he shall put on his body, and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Verse 11, Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and shall carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. I want to take verses 12 and 13 to give us a good example of how necessary you and I have to engage in spiritual disciplines, if you will. That sounds a little high and lofty, but simply your prayer life, the study of, your, of the Word of God, 
soul winning, witnessing, worshiping, being part of a good, vibrant, growing church, uh, prayer with fasting, praying in the Spirit, all these spiritual things that we see in the Bible, these disciplines, they are necessary for your advancement and success in the kingdom of God, and they're necessary for your eternal state in heaven. They're necessary for having a strong life in Christ here and now and in the life to come. What you do matters. You know, some people have a very unscriptural, social media-driven theology, colloquial sayings, tradition, culture, dictates their belief as opposed to the Word of God. What do I mean by that? Well, some people say things like, you know, well, praise the Lord God's sovereign. He is sovereign. He has power and authority and, and control. All things rest in His hand. And in His sovereignty, He has said, do this and this will happen. For instance, pray and your prayers will be answered. When your prayer, pray the word, pray my promises. First John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in him. If that we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have what we've asked of. So pray, Mark eleven twenty four. And when you pray, believe that you receive what you have asked and you'll have what you asked of. So when I come to God, I pray in faith, believing I'll receive what he has promised and it's mine and I receive it by faith. In God's power, in His sovereignty, He has set up a system. He has set up a rule. That's just one example in prayer. Seed time and harvest. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Um, Sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God shall not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap destruction. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap destruction life. So there is, in His power, in His sovereignty, He has set up systems. He has set up uh, the economy in which we live in as children of God in this kingdom of heaven. And you can't get past that. It is necessary for you to understand that what you do matters. The, the, The trajectory of your life and your eternal habitation is determined by what you do with what God has given you by what you receive, by faith. Think about it. How do we receive salvation? When we hear the gospel message, we believe what we hear, and we receive Christ as Lord, and we're saved. There was something that had to take place on my behalf. Now, you say, well, faith came from God. God gives everyone the measure of faith, the measure of faith to believe. Right, God has given it to you, but you're going to have to exercise that faith by believing what you hear. Ah, I believe that Jesus is the risen Son of God. And then I call on the name of the Lord. It's very simple. The Bible is very practical, very literal, very understandable. But sometimes people will get high and lofty, inflated ideas mixed with some culture and some opinions of people and social media posts. <laughs> that's, sometimes that's, that's the most scripture people get is on their, on their Facebook feed, which is not a good plan, by the way. But so you understand, it's necessary for you to take action concerning your life. Now, I want you to see a couple things here. 
In the book of Leviticus, I understand when you get to the book of Leviticus, it's probably a book that you speed read through because of all the, all the rules and all the regulations that you have to, to, to read about. But simply put, the book of Leviticus was God's instructions to the Levites. Who were the Levites? They were a tribe in Israel. Their inheritance was not land. Their inheritance was to serve the Lord. And they got the privilege to serve in the tabernacle and then later the temple. And it was their job to administer the sacrifices, the sin offerings, peace offerings, burnt offerings, to stand between God and Israel, to mediate forgiveness, repentance, worship, and praise, to handle the affairs of God and man and man to God. And in Leviticus 6, it gives us instruction concerning the burnt offering. There's grain offerings, there's uh, drink offerings, trespass offerings, all these offerings. And at this altar where the burnt offering was, the fire on that altar was to never go out. And I want to use that as an analogy concerning the fire in your heart for the things of God. So the first thing I want you to see is verse 12. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. There, in order to have a fire burning continually, the first thing you must have is an altar. The fire on the altar. What is, the, what is an altar? An altar is a place of worship. An altar is a place where you bring the sacrifice. You have an altar. The altar is your heart. It's your life. It is you. You are the altar in which God desires to burn His fire of holiness, of zeal, of life, and power. You are the altar. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. First Peter two five add to that first Peter two five which tells us You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are an altar. Your life is an altar. And it is from the flow and living your life and faithfulness to God that you offer up spiritual sacrifices, 1 Peter 2.5. It's not something you created. In fact, in the book of Exodus, God gives a command concerning the altar. He says, when you build an altar, don't form and fashion it. Rather... Build it up with stones. And if you build an altar of stones, just stack the stones. Don't carve them like the pagans, the heathen do. And then he says, you know, let, and when the priests, they have to wear linen cloth so that they're not sweating. Because he did not want it to anyone to ever get the idea that I'm going to form and fashion an altar, almost like idolatry, form and fashion this image. And by the sweat of my brow, I'm going to receive forgiveness from God. No, we receive from God by faith, but it is His grace that we have anything to receive from. 
It is by the grace of God through faith that we've received salvation. It's not of my working that I'm saved, but once you're saved, there are works that correspond and follow after you. Let me say that again. It's not by your works or my works that I'm saved. It's by the work of Christ on the cross. But once you are saved, there are works that follow after you. Ephesians 2.10 You are His workmanship created unto good works, created for good works. You have been created to do good works. You've been saved so that you can do the work of Jesus and so the first thing, the first thing necessary in order for the fire of God to never go out in your life is you have to realize that you are an altar. Your life is an altar. Your life is an altar by which the fire of God will burn on. The second thing you need to see is that you are a priest of your altar. 1 Peter 2, 9, when 1 Peter 2, we read verse 5, look at verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God has set you apart by saving you, and now you are part of a royal priesthood. You have been sanctified and set apart. You know, last wake-up call, last Monday, we had wake-up call 029 clean where we talked about being sanctified, separated by the Word of God. The power of God cleanses us. You've been separated. You've been set apart by the Word of God and by the power of God. And by the Spirit of God, you've been made a royal priesthood. So you have an altar, it's your life, and there's a priest, it's you. Now understand, you also have the high priest of our confession, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the high priest of our confession, so I understand that. But in this particular case, in the, the analogy that I'm giving, you are responsible for the altar of your heart and maintaining that fire. Just like, just like in the tabernacle in the temple, you had many Levites. You had priests, but then you had the high priest. And the high priest was in charge and head over everyone. And he was the one that was necessary for bringing the atoning sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, which is Christ. But the Levites, they were to continue to keep this burnt offering, this place of peace offerings. What is a peace offering, you might say? A peace offering was not an offering that you would give for sin. You understand, in the Old Covenant, they, they, would have, they had to give blood sacrifice of, of lambs and goats and doves and turtle doves uh, to, to atone for things. But they also gave offerings just as worship or thanksgiving or peace. In the peace offering, you would actually give a portion to the altar of God, and you and your family would eat the other portion of that animal that you sacrificed because you were at peace with God. Same way with you and us right now in the New Covenant. You know, you think about it in the area of prayer. The only prayer you, sh you shouldn't be, if the only time you pray is to pray a prayer of repentance for sin, you have a very, very poor, pitiful prayer life. Your prayer life should consist of worship, praise, praying for other people, praying for the church, praying the will of God into your life, praying the promises of God, not just to pray for repentance. In the same way in the Old Testament, not all offerings were just for sin. Some were for worship. 
And this burnt offering, this place of the burnt offering, that's what that was. And so they had Levites. There were many Levites that maintained this fire. And you, under the lordship of Christ Jesus, understand this, catch this, listen. Under the lordship of Christ Jesus, you are the priest of your heart. You are the priest of your life. James chapter 4, verse 8 tells us a simple principle. Draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners, and double-minded. In fact, let me just read it. I know that first part I got correct, but sometimes I try to... Sometimes I have the very, uh, I almost paraphrase some of these scriptures, and I'd, I don't like doing that. I get the point across, but I'd rather just get it word for word. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So notice the principle there. Draw nigh to God. Or the King James says that. Uh, mo- mo- more modern translation says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. You are the priest of your heart, and as you draw near unto God, He is faithful to draw near to you. Third thing, in order to make sure that the fire never goes out, you need an altar, which is your life. You need a priest, which is you. Three, you need a sacrifice. Well, where are we going to get this sacrifice from? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 tells us, Romans 12, 1 tells us that the sacrifice by which that God desires is you. It's me. It's our life. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. He wants your life, every bit of you. You know, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to Sifu Jason Coral, good man of God and friend of mine martial art instructor in Greenville. I, I, I did a podcast episode with him talking about his book, Christ in Self-Defense. If you didn't listen to it, go check it out. It was great. At least I loved it. And he, he made this point concerning this verse. He said, you know, the, the bad thing about a living sacrifice is I keep trying to crawl off the altar. <laughs> and it's true, right? Look at the Old Testament. All the sacrifices that were provided in the Old Testament were already slain and dead. But in the New Testament, the sacrifice that God desires is not a dead animal. It's a living spirit. It's a living soul. It's a living person. It's you. It's me. See, God has no use of us dead in the grave. He needs us now alive and well, able-bodied. You know, think about that concerning divine healing. I believe in divine healing. I believe in divine health. I believe it's always God's will to heal and to make whole in the body. And that's one reason I believe that, because he needs you to do his work on the earth. Now, some people could just, egad, God, he said, God needs me. Well, sure. Last time I checked, I've not seen the Lord Jesus Christ come back down from heaven and preach the gospel. The only way people will hear of Christ is if you and me tell them. Last time I checked, the Bible explicitly said that the angels do not preach the gospel. They are servants to the heirs of salvation. They work with Christians in the church, but there's no angel that preaches the gospel. In fact, go to Acts chapter 10, what happens? An angel comes to Peter and tells Peter, look, there's some guys coming to meet you. I've sent them here to you. You're going to tell them how to be saved. 
He tells, the angel says that to Cornelius. Go to Peter, who's staying with Simon the Tanner. He'll tell you what you need to know. But the angel did not have the privilege nor responsibility to preach the gospel. You and me do. So yes, God does need you. He saved you and set you apart so that he could work and live through you. And that's the sacrifice that God desires, is your life. He desires your body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tells us that. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he wants your physical body. That's why it's important that you live holy. Don't, don't give your, don't look at things you shouldn't look at. Don't listen to things you shouldn't listen to. Don't allow your mouth to speak words that you shouldn't speak. Don't put your hands to evil into actions and intentions. He wants your mind. Ephesians 4 tells us to put off the old man, renew, our, renew the mind of our spirit, and put on the new man so that we can do, true, oh, do the work of God in righteousness and true holiness. He wants your mind. He wants your will. Jesus said that him himself. I came not to do my will, but the Father's will. John 6, 38. He wants your will. He wants your life. He wants your body. He wants your mind. He wants your will. He wants every bit of you. You are the sacrifice on the altar that you prepare as the priest. Now, the last thing you need for this burnt offering that we see in Leviticus chapter 6 it tells us we need an altar, we need a priesthood, we need a sacrifice, but we need the fire. Because on this burnt offering, the sacrifice was to be burnt up before the Lord. Well, now where are we going to get this fire? Here's the thing. You can't conjure it up. You can't work it up. The fire comes from God. The fire that must never come out comes from God. Now think about that. You have a responsibility to maintain by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you do this all out of your own flesh or your own work. But by faith, you maintain your relationship with God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you maintain your relationship with Him. But the fire comes from God. See, if you're in Leviticus 6, if you go over just a few chapters, Leviticus chapter 9... After Moses has given the instruction to the Levites concerning this, we see something miraculous take place. Leviticus 9.23, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting, came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. The Spirit of the Lord indwelling in you is the fire of God. That is the fire by which you maintain the zeal, the passion. Really what we're talking about, never let the fire go out, is you maintaining your relationship with God. Just using analogy and imagery with this burnt offering. And it comes from God. The fire comes from God. But notice in, in Leviticus 9, when Moses and Aaron see the fire of God come down and the glory of the Lord appears before all the people, it was after they were obedient to do what was required of them. Prepare an altar, set apart a priest, bring a sacrifice. Then God 
will send the fire. Never let the fire go out. Prepare the altar. Prepare your life. Realize your duty as a priest unto God. Set apart a holy people. Peculiar. Prepare sacrifice. Your life, your body, your mind, your will. And God will send the fire. You can see in Luke chapter 3, we see it again. John the Baptist is speaking this concerning Jesus. Luke 3 verse 16 John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winning-wing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat in his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Malachi 3 tells us that the Holy Spirit is like a refiner's fire that burns through and purifies So I want to encourage you, never let the fire of God go out in your life. Don't allow yourself to grow cold. Yield to the voice and the work of the Spirit of God. Now, practically, I always want to give you some practical things. How does that that happen? How do you maintain this fire? Again, it's not you doing it in your own strength. But what you're doing is you're saying, by faith, Lord, I'm going to obey your word. And as I obey your word, I believe you're going to send the fire and maintain and strengthen that fire in me. Well, daily prayer. Pray. When you're praying, you're stoking the fire on the altar. Study the Bible. Study your word. Continually stay in the Bible. Read it. Study it. Know it. When you're doing that, you're stoking the fire of God. Worship, prayer with fasting, giving to the work of the gospel, witnessing, soul winning, one-on-one soul winning, being in a good church, praying in the Spirit. On and on and on, you can see instruction from the Word. Loving your neighbor. When you do those things, you're stoking the fire that God has put on the altar that you and I have a responsibility to maintain and see it grow hotter and hotter all the days of our life. Hey, I'm so thankful that you joined me for this wake-up call, wake-up call 030. Believe it or not, we're going to hit 50 here before you know it, coming to the end of the year. And in fact, I was just looking, I think, oh man, I don't want to overspeak, but I think this is going to be episode 71 for the year. And I think I had 28 from last year because I really ramped up for 2022, this Faith for My Generation podcast. So I think in the next few episodes, we're going to hit episode 100. And that's my goal. That's my intention. I'm running fast with what God's commanded me to do. And this is just one of those things He's commanded me to do. I know the time is short, and I want to give you as much information and teaching and resources as possible I love doing interviews with other men and women of God. I say men and women. I've only interviewed men. We'll have to find some some lady folk out there that are full of fire and get them on the podcast as well. I love connecting you with other faith-filled people so that you know you're not alone, that you're part of a believing people of God that are searching out the things of God, that are pursuing the things of God. So make sure you stay up to date with the Faith for My Generation podcast. We'll see you next time. And remember, we are the faithful. God bless. 
Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.